Cast and Blast Conversations, Season 3, Episode 4. Today we have a really cool guest coming at you. That is Mr. Cordell Jeter. I'll tell you more about him in just a second. But first, I need to tell you about one of our sponsors, Fletcher Hallett. Hallett Insurance, 904-315-5812. If you're in the state of Florida and you need insurance, be it for car, home, boat, commercial, life, whatever your insurance needs are, Reach out to Fletcher, call or text fhallett at hallettins.com. Double the L's, double the T's. Hallett for all your insurance needs, 904-315-5812. Cordell Jeter is a person I was connected to by Fish and Wildlife Foundation of Florida. And he's got just an incredible story. Um, he is not an avid hunter, but he is a, someone that has hunted. He fishes. But he's got a really cool story and a really cool passion. Uh, and I'll let him kind of tell you guys about that as we as we go through this interview. I think you guys are all going to really enjoy this. Um, and here is Mr. Cordell Jeter coming at you right now. All right, Cordell, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Doing good, man. Um, first question is always the same for every interview I've ever done. Who is Cordell Jeter? Ah, Cordell Jeter. I am, uh, I guess, a, a, a grandfather, uh, a former athlete, and uh, now a focused entrepreneur. Um, that is what I do on a daily basis is uh, focus on my new business. And what is your business? So we manufacture all-terrain track chairs, allowing people with physical disabilities or physical limitations independent mobility over rough terrain such as rough or uneven terrain such as sandy beaches or through the woods or just through their their grass near yards so so let's te- tell people a little bit about you why, why is this near and dear to your heart well uh, I, so i'm a paraplegic of 32 years as a result of an automobile accident um, i got hurt back in my freshman year of college where i was playing football on scholarship um, no drinking, no drugs. A friend just a uh, freak single car accident drove off the side of a mountain um, and leave me paralyzed from the waist down. Um, from there, I, I got into uh, wheelchair racing. I competed in the Barcelona Paralympics back in 1992 in wheelchair racing. I won a bronze and gold medal and set a world record in the liking. Um, and after that, I came home and started a kids wheelchair sports program for Fairfax County. They had a, a kids therapeutic recreation program. And um, yes. Uh, Fairfax County, Virginia. I just wanted to Fairfax level set you for Virginia. Yeah, Fairfax County, Virginia. So, um, and that we turned that therapeutic recreation program into a competitive seasonal sports program. You know, track and field, basketball, tennis, things of that nature. Um, and then uh, and after that, I, I started a durable medical equipment company where uh, we had a Vision 5 government contract that encompassed Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. And uh, within that was the D.C. Veterans Administration as well as Walter Reed Hospital. And we had this contract in the middle of two wars. So we saw what war did to a body. But Friends and family about seven years ago did a fundraiser for me and gifted me this all-terrain track chair, which quite frankly at the time, I really didn't think much about. I thought it was going to be like a go-kart on the weekends. Ah, it'll be fun, something to do. I greatly appreciate it. But when I received it and drove across my backyard and into the woods, 
it was mind boggling. I, I had forgotten how easy it was to get across just a section of grass. And I hadn't been into the woods independently by myself in decades. It was really, it was, it was overwhelming sense of freedom, almost like somebody telling you, you can now walk through walls. I didn't realize how much I assimilated. And so uh, doing this, during this moment of euphoria of, of just realizing what this newfound freedom was going to mean to me, I also was smacked across the face thinking about my kids in the wheelchair sports program. I used to be a, a, a deep woods or a, a free roaming kid. You know, I, I went out into the woods and built tree forts when you're young, you know, out and parents didn't even know what direction you went. And so up until that moment, I would have thought I knew with my, the kids in my wheelchair sports, sports programs, I would know what their lives were like. And, and, and reality was, is I had forgotten about the things I had done by myself as a kid in the woods that they've only dreamed about doing. And it was a real smack across the face thinking that, you know, these kids have never had the opportunity to experience some of these things. And then at the same time, um, I started thinking about all these disabled veterans coming home with blown up bodies, thinking that they had lost a freedom that they had fought for, given up part of their lives or bodies for, and thinking, here it is, you know what I mean? Like, and then I started thinking about, uh, I had an uncle who had cancer, who was sitting in hospice for a couple of weeks, and, you know, he talked about going on the beach, and we could have easily gotten him to the beach in one of these track chairs, and it was just like, became this overwhelming sense that, hey, people need to know that this technology is available, and, um, and little by little, I started uh, to see that people didn't even know. I, I assimilated. And so I think other people in similar conditions like myself assimilate too. You just assume that there are certain things that you just can't do. So I'm going to come back to, I want to come back to the track chair in just a second. And I want you to describe yeah. what it looks like and stuff. But before we do that, I got a couple of fun questions I got to ask you. Um, and the first is you are in Florida now. You, yes. You live, where, where, do you, where are you at in Florida? I'm down here in Northport, Florida, South Sarasota County. Okay. Uh, so you're close to the beach? Were you, were you uh, I, I'm about 20 minutes from Inglewood Beach, but 45 minutes from Siesta Key. Gorgeous beach. Um, you spend time outdoors, obviously. I mean, we're going to be talking about oh, that quite a bit. Yeah. What is Cordell Jeter's go-to boat, beach, hunting, tree stand? What is your uh, snack or your, your, your poison of choice or whatever when you're out there? On I, I tell you, I like to go in the woods. I like to go. Mayaka State Park is a beautiful state park with some trails out there. I mean, that's where I, that's where I like to go. I mean, if it's just a quick five, 10 minute relief, I'll grab, <laughs> excuse me, I'll get in my track chair and I'll run right next door to some lots, to this, just wooded lots down the street from my house and hang out in just to, you know, listen, listen to the birds and, uh, watch the squirrels decompress for a little while. But if, if I had to spend a day somewhere, it'd be at Siesta Key Beach. I can tell you that. And what, what would be in your ice chest or in your, uh, or in your snack bag? Uh, ice chest would probably be an Arnold Palmer tea, you know, lemonade tea and uh, Doritos. I love it. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> cool ranch maybe, or maybe even some Publix, uh, Publix uh, buffalo wings. Their public wings are pretty daggone good. The non-breaded, right? Non-breaded yeah, spicy. Exactly right. Non-breaded. You got it. All right, Cordell, this is probably the most important question I'm going to ask you, but do you have strong feelings and emotions about pineapple on a pizza? Um, 
I can eat it, but it's not something I ever order. If if it's if it's the last slice at a party and I'm hungry, it, it I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, you're an opportunist, right? If it's oh, yeah, I'll take it. Exactly right. So and not complain, not complain by any means. So tell me a little bit. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of some of your. So first, let's describe this chair. Because when yeah. you described it to me the first time, like I didn't know what it was until I pulled it up yep. online. But describe it to somebody that's not looking at this chair. So if I had to describe it, you, you can take what would be considered a, a power chair or some people call it electric chair, but a power wheelchair, something that is battery operated, driven with a joystick that just has a seat that has power wheels on it. Um, and so instead of having wheels for the chair, it has rubber tank-like tracks. And so if you combine the, the concept of a power wheelchair, but you, you put smaller six-inch wide uh, tank-like tracks that you know run on top of themselves, what it does is it gives that power wheelchair the ability to traverse over uneven terrain instead of digging down and getting stuck in the sand like you see four-wheel drive vehicles do where a tank rolls right over top of it. The very same concept, but on a much smaller scale. So you've seen limitations. Um, let's just kind of dive in because I want to talk about some of your experiences that you've been able to do with this, but we'll get to those oh, yeah. in a second. But you've seen limitations around um, the way that municipalities or opportunities are presented. And can you kind of talk about some of those that you see today? I remember you talking about a map sure. that's out there and then how this kind of works with. You know, it does. And so I think, you know, uh, city, state, county, municipalities, everybody is looking to create greater access. I mean, they are putting forth a valiant effort. I, I give them that. We are no longer you know, uh, look down upon or push in, in the corners of the closet. We're trying to figure out how do we integrate people with physical limitations or people with disabilities in general into society and especially what the community uh, recreation and leisure activities, whether it's going to a state park or beach. And part of that, what they've done is, uh, especially in Sarasota County, specifically I'll speak to, is they acquired something called a Moby mat. And it's basically a five foot wide mat by a couple hundred feet long that they roll out onto the sand. And it provides just basically a smoother and uh, a platform that where wheels don't dig down in that allows an individual with a walker, cane or wheelchair, power wheelchair, access to that portion of the beach. Now, having said that, I don't know if you've been to Siesta Key Beach, but it is vast. It is huge. So when you think about that Moby mat, you, your, your limitations of the beach are five feet wide by 200 feet. It doesn't even go halfway down to the water. It just basically brings you into a dead end on the beach. But it does handle a, a number of different people and disabilities, and it provides some access, even though very limited it is what they attempted to do to provide greater access for people with uh, physical limitations. They also have uh, these individual balloon style, we call them beach chairs, but with the, the, the balloon style wheels are about a foot to 18 inches wide, uh, very round, and somebody has to push the individual in the chair. So it allows the wheels not to really dig down into the sand, but the limitation there is the individual in the chair 
has no ability to even turn direction left, right, straight. They can't push themselves down on a beach. And so they're always required to have an attendant for any type of mobility. Uh, you're dependent on somebody else. And so I think this track chair should already be located where it's inherently needed. You know, something that's battery powered. It's a person as an individual can do it by themselves. It can go anywhere onto the beach. It can go down to the water. We don't want to say it goes in the water, even though it can, but we don't want it to go in the water, but it gives them full access to the beach and independent mobility, you know, to shell, shell uh, hunt or shark tooth hunt, uh, people watch. I mean, just to turn around and just to, to go up and down the beach to see the different sights and different sounds or different lifeguard stands. Fish. Um, same and fish, anything. I mean, it, tr true independence. So I think this is the next logical step is that this track chair technology should be already located where it's inherently needed. Our commercialized beaches, state parks, and national monuments, just like you see scooter type conveyances located at every Walmart and grocery store ready for use. So an individual with a severe disability should be able to go to Siesta Key Beach or any commercialized beach, hand them a license, sign a waiver, transfer onto a track chair and go enjoy themselves independently if they want to for the day or be included part of family and or friends. And now instead of being the challenge of the day, oh, we can push Cordell, we can get him on that beach. Now Cordell is included. Put that cooler on Cordell's lap. He's got the track chair. He can carry that cooler. Now you're included in the activities of the day. Big difference, big difference, especially when you're talking about leisure and recreation. Right. No, I, th I think you told me that the other day. Now your wife's like ready to load you up when you go to the beach. Oh, yeah. You know, now I've got the cooler. I've got the umbrellas. I've got the chairs, you know, and, and then she's walking next to me carrying a Corona light. You know, that, that that's a true beach day versus, you know, she's got to push me and got to get another individual to help push me. And then she's got to come back and tote everything herself. Yeah, it, it changes the entire mentality about the day. Tell me about FDOA. What is FDOA? FDOA, an incredible organization resource, Florida Disabled Outdoor Association. Um, it was originally founded by a, a young man named David Jones, who was uh, unfortunately shot in the head while hunting. Um, leaving him a, a hemiplegic, a paralyzed paralysis on the right-hand side. And um, he saw a gaping hole in recreation and leisure activities and inclusion for people with disabilities. And therefore, he started this organization to try to encompass and bring a single source of resources for all outdoor recreation and leisure activities for inclusion for all people with disabilities, physical disabilities, as well as mental, uh, intellectual disabilities as well. So um, they are a great organization. In fact, uh, David Jones got me invited, invited me to my very first hunt. So I was able to take the track chair out. Um, David introduced me to a group. We went hunting up North Florida. And uh, my first hunt out, I, I bagged a, a six point and an eight point buck. Both in the same day, within 30 minutes, just one of those freak show, you know, Royal State flush, flush type, of, type of hand. So, um, yeah, it's been an amazing experience. The Florida Disabled Outdoor Association is a great resource to go to. And they're, they're kind of a resource that you, you 
turn people onto, right? Like that's absolutely. I tell people that if when people call me up, anything from from hunting to surfing. I mean, that's pretty wide gambit of what you want to do. So uh, if there any, any type of outdoor recreation activities that for somebody has a disability, they are an outstanding resource. Not necessarily say that they provide the activities, but they are able to be able to point people in the right direction to say, here's, here's a good contact that might be able to get them to the activity that they're seeking to enjoy. Is that something that like the general public can become a member of FDOA or can they donate money absolutely, to FDOA? Like absolutely. And they can donate to FDOA as well. They're a 501c3. Um, it's FDOA.org. Um, there's a donate site button there. They're always looking for volunteers as well. So um, most, most definitely check them out. It, it's just an outstanding resource for individuals as well. It might give you different ideas on how to include people or family members in outdoor activities. So tell me this. Um, first, I need you to, I need you to tell me the story. Like you went out and shot two deer on your first hunt. Like how did that go? Shoot them <laughs> with a rifle or a shotgun or what? what yeah. Was yeah. I had a rifle, a 308, uh, that I literally borrowed cause I'm not necessarily a hunter. So I literally had to borrow a gun. Uh, when David invited me out on the hunt, uh, got in the track chair, um, they took me out to this blind, so uh, just looking, you know, out through the woods. And uh, throughout the day, uh, sunlight came up, and uh, and all of a sudden, you just started seeing some movement. You know, a bunch of doe kind of walking through, and I was told to be patient. And uh, about 75, 80 yards out, all of a sudden, I just see this big buck just turn face and start heading down towards me. I mean, and it, it was, I, I wasn't ever a hunter, never hunted before this. So it, that, what they call that, uh, that, that adrenaline rush that you get, it, it, it is real. Um, what happened? So, uh, the adrenaline rush hits and you start shaking, but I was able to sight him in and, uh, drop him first shot, just right where he stood. And, you know, it, it was pretty impressive, pretty amazing, uh, feeling seeing that, you know, um, I can take that animal home and feed my family and talk about the conservation efforts and, and, and seeing how, how the hunt really happens. But um, while waiting on the, the backup crew to come, come get the deer that I just took down, um, a, another eight point buck comes walking in from the other direction and um, I was able to get off another shot and land two of them. So uh, I was I was able to donate that buck to uh, a needy family. So that was a, another good feeling about the hunt in general. Again, it's just uh, that sense of camaraderie, that uh, stepping back in the way things used to be, kind of hands-on approach to things. So uh, it was definitely a different different experience, but I, I I did enjoy it for sure. And you, I think you told me, don't let me put words in your mouth. But I think you told me you don't necessarily consider yourself a hunter, but you're glad you took the experience and you enjoyed that experience immensely. That yeah, it, it really is. I, I, I tell people it's kind of like jumping the fence. Let me see what's going on the other side. You know, what is the big thing about it? And and so I don't necessarily consider myself a hunter. I don't have any, hunt, hunt, I don't even own a weapon, you know, to, to go hunt with. I had to borrow one. Um, but it is something that I, I can see myself wanting to partake in on a yearly basis, you know, just to say I did it once a year for the skill set, for the understanding, for the camaraderie, for just sitting out in the woods, whether I shoot something or not, just being out there, a part of nature. Um, it, it really is an amazing overall experience. 
the actual uh, the shooting or the hunt or the capture of the meat, uh, that's just a bonus to everything else that that goes along with it. And and that that's it really is a pretty cool feeling when uh, you're putting that meat on the table, knowing that that you're the one that helped process it. You know, so uh, that was it, it was. So I do enjoy the experience like that. Now, do you fish at all? I can't. I know we talked about this. But yeah, I can't, you yeah. fish now again. Now somebody has to take me fishing, but I do. I do go multiple times a year. We typically go out with friends or charter a boat or some somewhere of that nature. But I definitely enjoy fishing for sure. You like to eat fish? Uh, yeah, I like to eat anything. Absolutely, but yeah, fish is absolutely count me in for a grouper sandwich, a fried grouper. Yeah, most definitely. What is your favorite type of fishing down here? Because I know it's a little different than, than where you grew up. Uh, you know, up north, we used to, uh, stripers, we used to go for, but down here, I, I like to go out much further, get like grouper somewhere of that nature. I like to be out there away from shore. Grouper, snapper, bottom fishing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So let's go back to this chair for a second. Um, because what, what you really are envisioning is kind of an infrastructure of these chairs existing, not so much that people own them because they're, 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 they're expensive, but so much as I, when you roll up to, I'll, I'll use a duck hunting example because we talk a lot about duck hunting. When you roll up to a, a duck hunting quota area, they usually have a wheelchair accessible blind. What you're Correct. talking about is having a, a wheelchair there. That's right. Already there. That's correct. Or, or an area to say if you were going to go, that there is a place where you, we can have one put there, knowing it's going to be there when you get there. Hey, I use a wheelchair. I'm going to need to reserve a track chair. Okay, we're going to have it there for you, Mr. Johnson, on the 19th. So when you show up, that track chair is there ready for you to go. Um, some other areas like, you know, some commercialized beaches, they, they should have them there in general so you can just show up. But in some you know, specific sites such as you're talking about duck hunting or if somebody wants to go surfing for the day or something specific, maybe they can have reservations, but you're correct. An infrastructure in place so people don't have to purchase them and transport themselves. They would already be located where they're inherently needed or by means of a phone call, we can have one put there and say in 24 hours. So limitations of the chair as far as off-road, what, what did you tell me? You could go over some size log. It can go over a six inch log, you know, so I mean, that's pretty steep. And let me tell you, not everybody wants to do it, but it's got that capability. It is safe to do it, you know, even though, you know, as you're going over the log, you can imagine you're kind of facing the sky. So it is unnervy, but it's got safe capabilities of achieving that. It can go through deep sand, uh, mud, gravel, any type of woods or terrain. Um, it really has the like tank like capability, but with the wheelchair base on top of it. I could definitely see an advantage to this in the hunting community around upland hunting. I think you and I talked about this. I have a, I have a client yes. that, that's in a chair and we were talking about snipe hunting and how could you snipe hunt because it's such a mucky, you're, you're in, you know, two inches of mud. Yeah. A chair like this could alleviate that. And Absolutely. You, you also don't have to have someone pushing you. You're, you're, you're oh. on your own. Pushing through mud is is almost an impossibility. But yeah, with the track chair, that that is it would be a scheduled event. People would love to do that and and be able to do it independently. Absolutely, it's a, it's a prime example 
a perfect location for this type of opportunity. Uh, a couple of issues with track chair that I wrote down when we talked before were cost, size, and maintenance. Can you just kind of take us through some of those? Yeah. So currently, you know, the average cost is almost thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars, and um, that's just a chunk of change for somebody that uh, might be on disability income or have a fixed type of income. And so um, that, that just really puts it out of range for a lot of folks. Um, and the size of it, the, the average size is about 29 inches wide by about 48 inches long and 450 pounds. So, you know, you've got to have a spot, you know, in your garage for that or a storage shed out back. Even if it makes it through your door, I mean, that's like half of a, a, a work desk sitting somewhere in your house, you know, if you're going to have this thing in your house. And then the, the last difficulty that barrier we see this is then how do you transport that? I mean, that's a large piece of equipment. I mean, uh, prior to me acquiring it, I drove a 2007 Honda Civic. I mean, that track chair is not getting in there. You know, it takes a trailer or a pickup truck to get it from point A to point B and back to point A. So those three barriers really limit the, 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 the uptake or access to to this chair those are very three three serious barriers that we're trying to overcome and that is the whole point that we are looking that it should it see it already be located where it's inherently needed and have the county municipalities put forth the funding to make that happen now if if the chairs are averaging 13 14 thousand dollars a piece now it's because there's not a lot of people buying them or utilizing them because the cost of them I mean, look at what plasma TVs used to be. They were 5,000 bucks. Now we throw the darn things away. Track chairs have been around for over 10 years, you know, and the prices have done nothing but go up because it hasn't been a lot of uptake because of the initial cost. But if we get counties and state and local municipalities investing in them, putting them where they're inherently needed, the prices are naturally going to come down in general and make it more feasible for everybody. And of course, the more we use them at these different locations, people are going to want them independently who can afford them, who can find a way to tow them around, who do have the ability to store them, but it will only cost them $8,000 instead of $14,000. Big difference. One, you're financing a car. Another one, you're financing your recreational ATV. You know, now you're in back within normal ranges, but, you know, $14,000 for a track chair is a chunk of change. How, Cordell, how can people help with with this initiative, I, I guess I'll call it, but this this idea, is this about looking for opportunities where track chairs can be put in? Is this about joining FDOA? What, what is it? Like, I, I think it's, you know, if, a knee-jerk reaction. It's a three-prong approach. First of all, people don't know that the technology is available. So we, we have to let people know that it's 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 available. It's here. When people there's not a day I go out that I don't stop. Somebody doesn't stop and go, where did you get that thing from? Did you make it in your garage? Well, no, they make them been around for 10 years. People just don't know it's available. Second thing is um, demand use saying, hey, we should have them located. You know, talk to your your local representatives, your state representatives saying, why don't we have this technology already located at the at the beach from my mother or grandmother or at the park from my grandfather or father, whoever it might need. And then the last thing is, is then get involved and donate, start to help make it happen. You know, when, when money's raised, that puts people are putting money behind their mouth. And that also lets the local and state representatives know that they're serious and that that maybe there can be kind of a joint funding. 
And then last but not least, when the technology does become available at these locations, utilize it. You know, we have to let people know to utilize it because a lot of times what I'll see is a county will, will put on um, uh, an activity or an event or do something special. They don't really market it. So then that particular product doesn't get utilized. And then they turn around and say, well, we tried to do that, but that program failed. But program failed because it, nobody, they, nobody knew that the program was going on. They didn't market it. And then if they did market it, people assume that, oh, I'll get to it. It's going to be there from now on. So I'll get to it next year or, or when I've got time. And if it doesn't get used, then, then it just goes away. It kind of dissipates. So I, I think it, it's a multifaceted aspect of, you know, everybody's got to be involved to make it happen. You know, it's, and it's not going to be a set it and forget it like the Moby mat. And um, it's just going to take some effort. But I, to me, it's the next logical step. I think once we, we get the pricing down, the counties get involved, that'll drive down costs. As you drive down costs, more chairs will become more readily available. People will know them there and they'll gravitate for it. And you'll see more people with disabilities in areas that you hadn't seen them before. Um, it, it just it just makes sense. And the, then the people are benefiting from what we know, scientifically proven mental and physical benefits of being in nature. You know, it, it just and it just makes sense. And the people who need it the most, people with disabilities or uh, some type of ailment, need access to those free and readily available resources. They just need a, a means of transportation to get there. Cordell, where can people find out more about this, about you, if they want to follow up? Where where can they go? So I, I always send people directly to Florida Disabled Outdoor Association, FDOA.org, just because they're an outstanding resource. And if they want to locate me through FDOA, they can. That's one way of getting to me. Otherwise, uh, we're going to have a new website coming up. Uh, we've got some exciting news coming out about track chairs, and it's going to be trackchairsales.com, trackchairsales.com. Um, and they, they'll be able to locate me directly there. Okay. But the reason I sent them to FDOA is because it's just a plethora of information and a way to get involved volunteering as well as donations. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking some time with us and for, oh. for sharing your passion for this and, and for uh, making a difference. I mean, even going back to the, the kids' lives when you, when you noticed that there was, a, there was an opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Thanks, Cordell. What a special guy with a special story and a, and a unique passion. And man, I hope you guys really appreciate that interview as much as I did. Um, it, Cordell, I will put links to all the, the sites he mentioned in FDA, FDOA and all the other sites he mentioned into the show notes. If you share this around to make sure that folks can get where they need to go to connect with Cordell or um, Florida Disabled Outdoor Access, David Jones organization. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope everybody's having a great week. We will see you guys next week and y'all have a great weekend.